0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com
1: for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: When you're a 415er, 415er, 415. er 415 415 you are all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more and more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy.
1: What is going on, everyone? Welcome into another special edition of the 415ers podcast. Mark Grandy is out today. Evan Giddings with you. Mark enjoying a little bit of vacay. And just back from vacation, it appears, a very special guest in the 415ers, none other than Ross Tucker, Odyssey NFL insider, host of the Ross Tucker podcast. Ross, appreciate you so much for hopping on with us. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, of course, Evan. My pleasure. Good to see you. Good to talk with you.
1: Well, straight back from the Galapagos, welcome back to the to the States, uh, right back into the football chatter, the gridiron. And I uh, appreciate you hopping on to talk about the 49ers because it seems like everything this offseason, and I've seen you guys have discussed it on your podcast as well, sort of revolves uh, around the quarterbacks. But before we get to that, the news this week was uh, Debo Samuel going on a national radio show with Zach Gelb on CBS, uh, or I should say, hanging up. On Zach Elb on CBS Radio. And and I'm just curious, as as a former player, someone who has had to do these kind of offseason hits, who has been involved with obviously plenty of of media in your day, um, when you heard it or saw it, especially the the headlines that have been floated out there, did you feel like that was sort of fair or foul, the way that uh Debo Samuel handled, let's say, the the tail end of that interview?
0: You know, it's funny, Evan, because I've seen all the headlines and all the stories. I didn't actually listen to the interview to hear how he handled it. Um, You know, just based on the headlines and a couple of the stories I read, obviously, I don't think he handled it the way that you should handle it. I mean, I think the best way to handle it in those situations is to just probably give short answers Maybe even say, listen, man, I'm over that. We're moving on. Um, you know, when you're live on the air, to hang up is uh, is less than ideal. Plus, I think he's got to realize that that's that people are going to ask him about that game. I mean, people are going to ask him about the Eagles, right? I mean, that, you know, they're still probably considered the two best teams in the NFC. They're going to play against each other again this regular season. Wouldn't be surprised if they play against each other again in the postseason. And you know, that appears to be the team that the 49ers need to beat to get back to the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, I I do want to to bridge off of that in just a second. But have you ever been involved or been on either side? Because obviously you are now the ones conducting interviews uh, with players. You've been a player yourself. Have you ever been involved in, I guess, an uncomfortable interview situation where you felt like you you wanted to get out or you knew it wasn't going well? And how did you handle that?
0: Yeah, I think I probably... um... I think I probably have been on that on both ends. You know, nothing's popping in my head right away, but I can just remember certain situations that, you know, were clearly awkward. Um, When I'm the person asking the questions, I don't really like to make the person I'm interviewing uncomfortable, right? Or awkward. So if I can sense that they don't want to talk about it, or that it's awkward or uncomfortable, I probably would move on, right? Like I, I want to get the most out of the interview and you're not going to get much out of it. If it's something that they're clearly uncomfortable with or that creates an awkward situation. So I probably would move on ask him something else, something else where I think you're going to get an interesting answer from him. Um, as a player, you know, I, I don't know, I guess I feel like I've always been pretty good at answering those questions sort of, uh, politically if you will the way the team would want you to to answer them even if you don't really feel like diving into it yourself you just kind of understand that those questions are going to be part of it and you just have to a lot of times you kind of know that those questions are probably going to come Evan so you kind of already have your stock answer in your head (laughs) ready to
1: go I got you and well so you just mentioned the the 49ers and the Eagles and during the interview, Debo Samuel, I think, even said, Hey, like, we'll we'll see week thirteen, okay? We'll we'll figure things out on the gridiron, we'll figure it out on the field. The way that you kind of break down the NFC, is it Philadelphia, San Francisco, and the field? At least entering training camp coming up on July twenty fifth. That's at least when the 49ers report to camp.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would say probably, um, because they're the teams that the last couple years have been pretty um, consistent. Obviously, the Eagles improving tremendously last year. And you look at the other teams, it kind of feels like Minnesota is taking a little bit of a step back. No more Zadarius Smith, no more Dalvin Cook. You know, I don't know that the Giants are going to get there. I do think the Dallas Cowboys will still be right there in the mix, but, man, it's been so long since they even made it to a conference championship game. They're absolutely a contender, but to me, I think you still have to slot them in third after San Francisco, after Philadelphia. The teams I think could surprise people are really Seattle and Detroit. You know, I think both those teams made big jumps last year and have the potential to make big jumps again this year. If they do, you know, they could be a surprise teams to go to the Super Bowl.
1: No, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think it's it's a two-horse race at this point, but Dallas has a very formidable roster as well as uh, those up-and-coming teams that you just mentioned, a lot of which have to do with who's under center for them. And right now, the 49ers are kind of sure, have an idea of who they would like to be under center, but Brock Purdy is... Still clearing some some health hurdles that he has to in order to get ready for week one. But a couple of weeks ago, I saw you had Greg Cosell on the Ross Tucker podcast, and you guys were discussing the quarterback situation in San Francisco. And, and I thought Greg made an astute point about how the way that Trey Lance is perceived is not necessarily a souring, but the way that he's perceived is a work in progress, which is fair. And this roster like you just talked about, being a top two in the conference is absolutely not a work-in-progress roster. Is that the way that you see it? And if so, what is the value to Trey Lance for the 49ers this season?
0: It's a good question. Um, and I think I think they've soured on him a little bit. And do I think that he's a work-in-progress? Maybe, but... He's been there a decent amount of time now. I know the injuries. and I know they felt like they needed to develop him and all that stuff. And they don't want to go through those growing pains with him now or the development with him now. I get that. But, Evan, to pay the money they did for Sam Darnold, like decent money, to go out and get Sam Darnold, and maybe you could say that that's just because there are injury concerns for both Purdy and and Lance, which I get. But even if you feel like Trey Lance needs some development, they made the decision a year ago to go with Trey Lance as their starting quarterback. And now this year, he's not good enough to even be the backup? I'm sorry, but you can't tell me that they haven't soured on him a little bit if he's not even good enough to be the backup. Because it's pretty clear from anyone you talk to, that they like Sam Darnold more than Trey Lance, which I would th- I think is pretty alarming if you're a Niners fan.
1: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting
0: to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price price line
1: no i i'm right there with you and we're talking with ross tucker odyssey nfl insider host of the ross tucker podcast also does a ton of great work with westwood one and he's played in the nfl princeton man the sam Darnold comment i think is is interesting because everyone's radar kind of goes up when they bring him in, especially as quickly as they did in the offseason. Now I get at the time you essentially have two injured quarterbacks. Trey Lance is still coming back from the ankle. Brock Purdy obviously gets hurt in the NFC championship game, but you know, when he's talking about why he's doing this, I get why it makes sense for him. You're getting to work with Kyle Shanahan. You're getting to work with arguably the best weapons in the NFL, but is the reasoning from the 49ers' perspective of bringing Sam Darnold in, it is a one-year deal, but like you mentioned, it's it's money that you might not see thrown at a, a third-string quarterback. Is that the immediate signal that this guy has brought in to not only compete but to likely have the inside track on a backup job? Or when you saw that signing and the way that things have played out so far this offseason, can you see an avenue to where the 49ers might give Trey Lance a bit of a leg up on the the guy who's coming in to compete for that spot? Yeah, I mean, I
0: I guess it'll depend a lot on training camp and the preseason games. You know, I don't know when we'll see Purdy. So I think a lot of it will depend on how Trey Lance plays, how Sam Darnold plays. I think that on some level, the Niners might have looked at it, and I don't have any inside information here about Purdy's status, but I have talked to people like Dr. David Chow, the longtime Chargers team doctor over uh, at uh, Sports Injury Central, pro football doc. And, you know, he's not so sure that Purdy will be available for week one. And to be honest with you, Evan, I'm not either. I mean, the fact that Kyle Shanahan made that comment about being glad that the Niners are playing the Eagles week 13 and not week one because that way they'll have their whole team I never understood that logic. So you think there's a better chance that you'll be healthy in week 13 than there is and you'll be healthy week one? That would seem to lend itself to be uh, a thought that Purdy's might not going to be ready week one. And that would make the Darnold signing make more sense, right? We don't know when Purdy will be available. We don't want to rush him back. Let's have Lance and Darnold compete to start and whoever loses can still be the number two until Purdy comes back, and then maybe there's a trade market for them before the trade lead line after Purdy comes back.
1: Ross, do you have any concerns about Brock Purdy outside of the health? Because there's been an obvious limited sample size. It's been great, but I kind of contend that that bar was set extremely high for him, and to see some sort of regression in his his first official season, ideally as starter, wouldn't be out of left field. Do you think that there are things that people might not, I guess, be expecting from Brock Purdy as far as his actual play this year? Could you see that regression coming if and when he's able to take the field?
0: Well, I, I don't know that I'll say regression as much as, you know, I think there's, what I would think about with Purdy is sort of what I would call like the Jimmy G effect, which is to say, is he good enough to win championship games? Is he good enough to get to and win Super Bowls? Mm. You know, I thought he did a lot of really positive things last year, obviously was extremely uh, well-prepared, played so, so well, such a high level as a rookie. But that's not the same as winning a conference championship game against a team like the Eagles or winning the Super Bowl against an elite AFC quarterback, which is the type of quarterbacks you're going to have to go against in the Super Bowl. So I think the question for me about Purdy isn't as much about regression as it is upside and potential.
1: Interesting. No, and I think that's that's fascinating and something that Forty Niners fans, like you mentioned, kind of wrestled with Jimmy Garoppolo over and over again, and are hoping that it's not somewhat of a reset now with with Brock Purdy. Outside of the quarterback position, do you see at all a potential hole in this roster because it is so good in a sense? It kind of places nitpicking a little bit, but it does feel like the one area that they had to address and didn't really, or at least chose to do so internally, was the offensive line. How do you feel about the 49ers up front, and is that their biggest weakness right now?
0: Well, first of all, I thought they made a great move to sign Javon Hargrave because I I do think defensive tackle was a disappointment for them, especially in that conference championship game. Javon Kinlaw did not play well enough. And so to get a guy like Hargrave, who had a phenomenal year in Philadelphia, and really, you're kind of doing two things, right? I mean, you're, you're getting an elite defensive tackle at a position of need next to Armstead, next to Nick Bosa. But you're also taking away one of the Eagles' best players, right? Now, I think he would have gone somewhere else anyway. I don't think he's going to be in Philadelphia anymore anyway with the money that he commanded. But I thought that was a, a really important signing for the Niners because that would have been a concern of mine. And now they they have the kind of depth on the D-line that you want. On um, the offensive line, they still have some young guys there, both guard spots. And we'll see how McKivitz can play at right tackle. Whoever is at right tackle, Jalen Moore doesn't matter. You know, I, I know Niners fans had their issues at times with McGlinchy, but he was still solid, and there's a reason why Denver gave him that much money, and we'll see if they get can get similar production now out of some of their younger guys.
1: You mentioned Seattle as a team to look out for on the rise in the NFC. Is there any reason to feel concerned, if you're the San Francisco 49ers, about them potentially contending for the division? Because a nine-win team last year, relatively young, I thought they got – a lot of good pieces in the draft made some intelligent signings and the San Francisco 49ers outside of Hargrave, like you mentioned, didn't do a whole lot in free agency. Now that's a lot of cash and straps you a bit, but is there any reason to feel concerned that the Seahawks might have some noise to make in the NFC West?
0: Yeah, I think so. I I do. I mean, especially not knowing when Purdy will be able to play and how well he'll return from that injury. You know, there's certainly the possibility the Niners get off to a slow start, and I'm telling you, man, Seattle was playing good ball last year, and for them to now bring in guys like Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, and Charbonnet on offense, to have a top ten pick and Witherspoon with a spoon at corner, Bobby Wagner is back in the fold. They do, got Draymond Jones from Denver. You know, they've added some pieces. And, you know, the question is, was Geno Smith a one-year wonder or can Geno Smith kind of build on what he did last year? Because if he can build on what he did last year, then I do think Seattle will be right there with the Niners competing for that division.
1: Ross Tucker with us, Odyssey NFL Insider, host of the Ross Tucker podcast here on the 415ers. Off of that, it does feel like, you know, even if there is skepticism about Brock Purdy uh, beginning the season as a starter, it kind of sounds like the way you see it um, and the way that others around the league see it is that Sam Darnold should be the immediate guy. Is that because he just kind of logically fits more as a stopgap, or because he legitimately is by most people's evaluations, a, a better quarterback at this point than someone like Trey Lance?
0: Yeah. See, I don't know that. And that's why I thought it was so interesting All of the Niners beat writers giving Darnold so much praise during OTAs. You know, we don't know if they've ever had a guy here that can throw the ball like that. Like, what? What are you talking about? Did you ever watch like Steve Young throw a football? I mean, uh, they were really, really um, high on Darnold in the spring. I don't know if they saw that or they got that from the Niners front office or coaches. I don't know if the Niners are trying to, you know, push Trey Lance. I don't know what the deal was there. Yeah. But Darnold hasn't earned that. Like, Darnold, to me, has not played well enough that you automatically have him above Trey Lance. I think it's a really important training camp for Trey Lance. And I think if he plays well, I'd rather see him in there
1: than Darnold interesting well so and off of that i'll get you out of here on this ross there's this kind of idea it's an oversimplification but like anyone could play quarterback for kyle shanahan and the 49ers now we've seen evidence that that's not actually the case uh specifically the years in which jimmy garoppolo went down prior to last one but i mean how big of a i guess a storyline is that and I mean, do you really believe that someone like San Donald can come in, had the same type of production that someone like Purdy did last year? Or was last year a bit of an outlier? I guess I, kind of how do you view the rotating door at quarterback? And do you believe that Kyle Shanahan can maximize just about anyone in this league? I think he can. I mean,
0: look, he got pretty darn good production in some games from C.J. Bethard. And Nick Mullins. I mean, those guys put up pretty good numbers. So I think a lot of people, myself included, are a little curious to see how Darnold could do with Kyle Shanahan. You know, I mean, he's the number three pick in the draft for a reason. I think we're all intrigued to see what he'd be able to get done with Kyle Shanahan. Although I still want to see what Trey Lance can get done with with Kyle Shanahan. So um, either way, you know, on some level, Evan, I almost hope Purdy's not ready for the opener. So we get a chance to see that. One of those guys at least.
1: Interesting. No, it's gonna be a fascinating season, and I'm sure everyone will have their eyes glued. I'm sure you'll be doing uh plenty of games. I saw you actually in the new Netflix quarterback series. They had you uh what was it? It was in episode four or five. Uh you did the Chargers Chiefs game, and I think they had you overlaid over one of Mahomes' uh passes. So, you know, Evidently, I definitely,
0: know- <laughs> yeah. Although they just said commentator too. They could have at least thrown my name in there, Evan. At least well, throw my name in
1: it, it was a good call. It's recognizable for those of us that are, I guess, in the know. But you, you're right. They could have shown you a little more love. <laughs> oh No, th- thanks, Ross. We appreciate you hopping on with us. Uh, we'll be looking for you all season long. Catch him. Odyssey NFL insider Ross Tucker, host of the Ross Tucker podcast. A ton of great content coming out from there. Uh, Ross, thank you so much for hopping on the 415ers. We appreciate it.
0: You know what? My pleasure, Evan. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.